Welcome to Co-op Mode, round 124. This is the official video game podcast of Secret Friends Unite. I'm one of your hosts, Todd Oxtra, from beautiful Savage, Minnesota, where the weather is on crack, okay? It's 88 degrees today in Minnesota. It shouldn't be. I'm uh, joined by Merck, the Canardian Carabin. How you doing, bud? I'm great. Uh, um, I don't think our weather's on crack. It is, it is quite warm. Um, but it keeps, it'll, it'll like go up and down. It's a roller coaster of emotions and, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm riding it out as long as I can cause I enjoy the warm weather. So, um, you know, I'm good. I'm here. I'm excited to talk about video games and, uh, some, have, have some fun. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we're joined by a person that I've podcasted with the past. He's been on a special episode of co-op mode, but not an official episode of co-op mode. And that is Mr. Jason Marshall from DearGamers.net. And um, the fun part about Jason is we, you've been in different podcasts before and different groups. So um, I think the last group that I think I podcast, we was at story route zero. Correct. All right. So you're taking me back with Matthew Keel. So, um, and I did a really fun episode of fansplaining with Matt uh, when we talked about music. So if you get a chance on Patreon, listen to that. But Jason, uh, you know, for people who don't know, you just give us your like your, your gamer geek origin. How'd you be, get into games? You know? Well, I've been gaming almost 40 years, but um, I think I really hit my stride post college when I realized I don't care what people think. It was, not not to steal to come out of the closet type, but like it's now who cares? And I mean for the people watching, you can see behind me the wide range of geek stuff. Um but yeah, no, I've done two podcasts. I've written for two websites, my current one, deargamers.net, and it's just something uh I just enjoy doing regularly. It's just a hobby that it's a stress reliever. It's something fun. It's just an escape. And it's just, uh, I just love it. I mean, all facets of it. And Jason's a gaming dad. So he's got, he's got, he's got a little one. And, uh, Jason, if you, if you follow him on X, you'll see that he, plays a lot of games he's very accomplished you always put me to shame uh in regards to what you're able to cover and the 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 scope of games and check out uh the website because there's some really good coverage there um some really good game reviews and um i I think jason i I appreciate what you bring to the table so uh, you're definitely a better gamer than i am and i think you've been challenged at one point like i didn't see any indie games on your list todd there so trying to be better (laughs) trying to do better so um and i'll actually talk about a couple of games that weren't on my radar before today but thank you jason for joining us glad to be here yeah so um we are going to get into a little bit of uh i guess we're going to clean out our closet a little bit today um and that is talking about a change to patreon we've doing been pa- been doing patreon about 10 months and as we thought about this you know the economy of the world kind of sucks right now and we realized we wanted to do a little bit better about making our content more readily available and more affordable. So we're doing a couple of things to change that. So um, first of all, we're adding one, the, uh, basically an entry level tier just to say thank you uh, for, for patrons to say, thank you for making the content you do. Uh, and we're going to give you a digital high five for a dollar. And that's all it is. It's a dollar. You are a new secret friend squad. So thank you so much. If you want to participate at that tier, We've got the $2 besties tier. This is essentially replacing the old thank you tier. Now they're getting 
audio content and they're also mm-hmm. in our discord. So this is a upgrade and they don't have to do anything. So thanks everyone in that tier. You're getting an upgrade. You're getting a power up the $5 tier friends with benefits. Now this essentially becomes the top tier that we have. Uh, this includes all audio video podcasts that we're going to make shout outs on every episode. You're going to get assigned a special ability including a power-up on this episode, and you're going to get access to our Patreon Discord channel. Um, there, we retired one of our channels, uh, and then we have one channel left over, which we've closed out, and definitely offering our patrons that are in that tier to come and join us at the $5 tier if they choose to. If they want to stay at that level, we're not going to force them, by all means. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. So it's available now, and uh, still getting a free trial uh, for seven days it's there. Um, the good news is there's going to be content flowing, new things coming through. And, uh, you know, we one of the things we did, at, Mark, I don't know if you saw it, I put a poll up and what people want to see. They'd like to see more interviews and more opinion pieces. And I think we've got one guest lined up for a, a, an interview, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. And then uh, I've got one potentially lined up for a different interview. And I think some people are going to be doing some new content as well. So very excited about that. So that's kind of the status I, uh... of Patreon. Yeah, I'm hoping to have some stuff for two, potentially two really cool interviews. And I don't want to say too much because um, uh, the, the event that I'm going to, there's a couple of guests um, at the end of October. And uh, this is going to be more Star Wars focused, but I'll talk about it here for a second because I just got the email tonight uh, saying like, yeah, we're going to try our best to talk to these guests and get you in an interview room with them. But I honestly, I probably won't know until like the end of the month, right before, or possibly when I show up at the event, like, Hey, yeah, you're talking to, um, someone. (laughs) It'll be, uh, if you've seen behind me, it's blurred out tonight, but if you see me behind me, you might be able to guess the authors that I might be able to talk to. Um, so there are little Easter eggs for past, um, past episodes. Very cool. Yeah. It's part of a being patron that gives us the time and the, the resources to do these type of things. So we're really excited about what's coming, uh, the next couple of months and the next year coming up. So with that, Mark, uh, well, like we said, we're going to give out some shout outs. So we're adding some new people to our shout outs this month. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got, uh, Corey and HD. This is the, uh, the first hit the friends with benefits tier for this one. Yes. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to make sure I got the, the, the tiers changing and everything. I wanted to make sure I got that right. So Corian HD, thank you so much. Uh, John Seydorf, uh, the Phoenix sisters cosplay bang, bang, McBanger and the third banger son of banger of the house of the bangers. Brendan Myers is everything. Okay. That is a, that is a uh, poking Joe, Mr. Badbit. It hates the I'm word. Fully aware, yes. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, that, that is fantastic. So, uh, Brennan Myers, thank you. Much appreciated. Uh, and the BFF tiers, Sean, Stella, Henry, Nias. Uh, everyone in this, it's all just champions, absolutely. Uh, Missy Merchant, Andy Milliken, um, just all the love. Thank you. Absolutely. So one of the things we're going to do is our uh, and uh, the friends with benefits they get a power up. So we're going to start off with Corey, Corey over at uh, Boss Rush Games. So um, Jason, since you're our guest, um, what type of po- video game power up would you give Corey? 
You know, the Mario movie's been playing almost nonstop. My four-year-old actually wants to watch it. Um, how about the, the cat one? It, it's deceptive. Ooh. Nobody really, but then he comes out on top. So it's, uh, yeah. it's not as obvious as the superstar, but uh, the cat the cat suit. It's a good outfit. Very it's got claws. You know, you stay guy. warm. Yeah. I like that. Mark, what's your power? Yeah. Okay, Corey is the best. So um, I, I'm going to go similar. I'm going to go Super Mario Brothers, but I'm just going to give him the invincibility star and just – do 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 all over the place. I just want you know the the absolute best protection and uh, power that Corey can muster. Um, I really do like that cat suit though, man. That was that was a good uh, that was a good one. I, I th- thought a superstar right away, and now you're like, oh man, but he did beat Donkey Kong with that thing, you know, without even having that stu- superstar power. That's a good one. I'm, I'm gonna stick with superstar. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to bless Corey with a game that's near and dear to his heart, Destiny. There's a there's a special uh, ability in Destiny if you get a certain weapon, and it's called One in the Chamber. So essentially, it's almost like infinite ammo if you do it right, and that is so excellent. Essentially, it's just a perk in a weapon, a specific weapon, and I believe if you nail um, uh, an enemy on the last round, it automatically reloads another round. So if you can keep that going, you know, and that I'm going to apply it in any game, Ratchet and Clank. I'm a, you know, Halo, any game where you're firing a weapon. Um, he gets that. All right. But it requires a little bit of skill. I mean, you gotta, you, I like that. He specified like in any game. Cause I was like, man, that's the most like American, friggin power up like unlimited <laughs> ammo like irl like that's just you know, like, he lives in ohio you know i mean <laughs> you know ohio america all right Corey, you've got exactly unlimited ammo yeah. exactly yeah, exactly yeah. or you know maybe it's a fart he's always got one in the chamber <laughs> you never know he's got kids he needs it to make him laugh you know absolutely so, absolutely yeah it's the ultimate dad revenge right it's about the best mm-hmm. thing you can do to your worst thing you can do to your kid, you know, without giving him, uh, you know, permanent uh, memories of, uh, you know, bad, <laughs> bad parenthood. Oh, well, yeah. thank you, Corey. Thank you, all the patrons. And uh, we'll see who's going to get a, pay, a power up next week. Can't wait. Um, with yeah. that, we're getting to our segment. Byron return. Mark, this is all you're doing. And I don't yeah. mean that like a negative light, but uh, <laughs> take us through. All right. Uh, yeah. So I, I got to pick this time and I thought, Todd, you you were playing Mortal Kombat one. Uh, I've been playing. You're gonna find out a little bit of Assassin's Creed that I'll talk about later. And uh, and I just started thinking about like cool ways that video games let you kill people or dispatch people or like cool like finisher kind of things. Um, we also had a thing in our Discord. Famous Seamus shared like top video games. So I was thinking about Smash Brothers uh, while I was making that list and uh, Batman, like the Arkham games where you could do cool like takedowns and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I just started thinking about like cool finishing things. But the, the Assassin's Creed is really what led to this. So I started about, you know, thinking about best video game kills. Uh, so we've got three options. 
And there's pros and cons, I think, for each one of these. So the Assassin's Creed Death from Above or like really any kind of like sneak attack stealth death. But I really love that iconic, like, you know, you're going, you jump down and just hidden blade in the top of some guy's skull. Just iconic scene. Uh, Mortal Kombat fatalities, just any of them. They're always spectacular. They're always over the top, like a little bit, sometimes too over the top, a little bit too complicated to get, you know, not always reliable. So is what it is. And then sniper, uh, like slow motion bullet, like x-ray bullet where you see it go in and break some bones and do all. It's almost like a Mortal Kombat fatality for a shooter game. And I always love that. Um, is that the sniper elite games that yeah. do yeah. that? That's, that's yeah. what I was thinking about. Yeah. Even though like that, that game's not really my jam. It's a little too stealthy for a shooter game for me, but I always love that. Like I'll always just go in and try that. If it's on like game pass or something, I'll always just go in and just be like, yeah, okay, let's see. Like I, I got to see the kill cam in this. Like I got to check that out. Same thing with something like bullet storm where you can kind of like slow down that bullet and really kind of guide it. Uh, and I almost put bullet storm in this, but I was like, nah, sniper does it better. So here we go. Um, so that's three choices. Jason, do you want to take first crack at this one? I would be Sniper Elite or the the X-Ray shot. I, I love the Sniper Elite games, and it's just so satisfying because you're so far away. And it's like an extra confirmation that, and especially when it's like a high-ranking Nazi or Adolf himself, yes. and you just like <laughs> nail that like below-the-belt shot, and it's just like the whole thing. Um, Rent, I'd go with Mortal Kombat with the caveat that it's with friends because there's nothing better than beating your friend in co-op and then finishing him. I mean, it's it's so integral to the series. I mean, finish him, but like it, it's more, I feel like if you're just playing the computer over time, like, yeah, you do it, but it's like, okay, I've seen this the kind of. And then I've played Assassin's Creed I'd say my first two, three hours, all about stealth. You want those cool kills. And then I get to a point where I'm just powerful enough that I'm just running in and taking out 10 guys. There's no stealthy kills. There's no death from above. So that's where I'd go with my ranking. Nice. Todd, how are you feeling with this one? So so I was challenged because I was thinking, Mark, I'm like, when I saw these choices, I'm like, I thought of like, just, I thought you were just going to go like a set, like Assassin's Creed, like you're just going to say st- like any stealth, st- stealth kill. It's like my, like one of my favorite stealth kills always like you're hanging on a ledge, the guy looks over and you just pull him off and he dies. I <laughs> yes. love those kind of like goofy ass, like, or you're coming, you like think about the guy and just take him out. I, I love those. Those are my favorite type of stealth. I, I love those. Uh, I um mean- we kind of went generic for the other two, like any Mortal Kombat fatality. So like, I think you can throw in any okay. death from Assassin's Creed, like any kind okay. of like one of those, as long as you're not just like sword fighting guys until they oh, fall sure. down. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, this has got to be like yeah. a stealth kill. Um, yeah. The old school, you, you can throw that uh, you're not really like, like invulnerable. You're not a beast. You're, you're basically right. a glass cannon and yeah, you yeah. don't want to fight. That's your last resort. So, okay. So, um, you know what? I'm going to buy the, uh, just like Jason said, the sniper. I love being a sniper in any game, and it's so satisfying taking anybody out. I just love it. The one-hit kill, you know, the weapons that shouldn't be sniper rifles, that they are sniper rifles for some reason. It's like, that shouldn't work that way. Love it. So I'm going to buy sniper, and especially in that game. And there is like a 
more over the top, like a zombie Nazi like version of Sniper Elite, I think. Yes. Is it Undead? Zombie. That's zombie fun. You, you should play that one. That one is far more like arcadey and goofy, and it's fun. Yeah, there's traps you mm-hmm. lay, you have to deal with hordes. Yep, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, then I'm going to go with, um, so if this is in reality, I'm going to go with Assassin's Creed death from above just because I feel like it's something I can do and I've done in those games and it's repeatable. <laughs> uh, yeah. and it is because you're like, gotcha! you know, it's like, ah, I'm going to get you. It's always one of those, like, uh, those abilities in other games where it's like, um, death from above is kind of like one of those perks you can have, like you can easily kill somebody from above. So I love that too. I think it was like shadow mortar that gave you that ability. Like it was like one of those perks you could power up in that game. Also did the same thing where you're over and you're just going nuts. So I, I think that's always fun to pull off. Uh, but obviously it's, it's, it's situational because you have to find a place to be up. So yeah. it doesn't always come in handy, you know, if you're in a flat desert land. So, um, but then, um, mortal combat fatalities, this is just me going to say, that I'm not good at them. <laughs> so <laughs> I would be like one out of 10. It works. It's like, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, just, it's me just like acting crazy. And the guy just falls down. I'm like, Oh, so unsatisfying. <laughs> if now, if you had said, Todd, you always p- could pull it off. I'd say, yeah, it goes up higher on the list. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's, I think my, my Byron return. And Mark, that's kind of what I went in thinking with, that's- with my rankings uh, was how like the satisfaction to skill level for me was, was kind of a big thing. And, and I'm a huge Assassin's Creed fan. I love setting those kills up of like, okay, I see this guy, I'm seeing where he's walking. I'm watching his pattern. I can get that kill from this angle. I can set myself up if I climb this, or if I go under this, I can, you know, grab him from, from down below or drop him from, from up high. So I think for, for me as like a skill balance, satisfaction thing assassin's creed that's it all always hits for me so that's going to be my buy um my rent i think is going to be mortal combat fatalities because they are so over the top but in a similar way like i'm not great at them you know and when i'm playing mortal combat i like to mix up my characters so like i'm not going to remember all the button combinations for like every single person that I'm going to, you know, I have my usuals like Johnny Cage and Scorpion or something that I might be able to remember it on a good day. But like, if I'm just having some fun and goofing around and trying every single different character, I hate having that pause and you look at the thing and then you try to do it and you fail. And it's like, ah, shit, I'm just going to watch a YouTube video. But like when you actually get them, it is quite satisfying. Um, and then for, for the, the sniper slow motion, like I, I said, I love, I love testing those out for a little bit. And I think famous Seamus, said the same thing in his, and I'm going to read that in a second. But um, once you see a few of them, for me anyway, it gets to, um, you know, like, okay, cool. I've seen what this offers. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm good with it. Um, it is fun. I love watching them because some people are so skilled. Uh, like Jason, you said, you know, you get those super distant shots. You get those like, you blow off is below the belt area from, a million miles away and it's just like st- these guys are crazy i love it uh like but for me it's from, uh, wanted what was oh, that yeah from wanted at the end where yes and oh yeah going and then exactly those kind of shots that's not me but i love the uh the the skill and the 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 cinematic nature of it and just just 
watching people do it online. So, um, so that's my ranking. That's, that's going to be my return, but I still love, uh, I still love it. So the, those, it was tough to pick because they're very small margins of like on some days I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to watch like YouTube videos of, of sniper kills. That's, that's going to be my day. So if they um, added that feature where in Splatoon, where the paint goes through the person's skull and it's through the <laughs> x-ray, is that, is, is that a part of it now? I want to, so like Fortnite, when you get a, a victory, yeah. it, it'll slow it down for a second, but I want to see that replay. I want to see that kind of thing thrown into Fortnite of like, because there, there was a match that I finished in Fortnite. Um, I think I posted up the video a couple of weeks ago. And I got – I was floating on a balloon and I whipped my sniper out and I saw the last guy running. And I just like pulled the sniper out, shot it as I was descending with the balloon and like headshot from a couple of hundred meters away as this guy was running down a hill towards me. And uh, I was like, I need the slow motion replay of that sniper style like – Put that in that game. Um, Don't worry, Mark. That's going to be an upgrade. Ethical, and, yeah. ethical yeah. sell you that perk. <laughs> you can go back and watch your replays and take it from different camera sure. angles and stuff. But like, I just want that. Nothing better than a replay when you do something cool. Everybody exactly. loves it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we got a couple of right ends. The Winter Gamer. We've got buy sniper slow motion because gun kills are so quick. Um, like that one uh rent death from above because i feel just like a superhero landing it's bad for the knees for the knees nice fair fair uh and return fatalities because it's overkill all right uh famous shame is coming in like complete opposite energy with mortal Kombat fatalities uh and and even responds yeah they're overkill but that's the fun of them <laughs> why well, just stab someone in the heart when you can just rip the heart out a lot of them are goofy like one where a character just basically stretched the opponent's neck until it's a giraffe neck uh but those are fun too so okay yeah um rent the sniper slow motion x-ray they're cool but eventually once you see a skull get destroyed by a bullet it'll get boring seeing yet another one or an eye get blown up or whatnot it kind of gets repetitive and that's again why i like watching the people who actually know what they're doing and it's like hey watch me explode this guy's eyeball hey watch me like shoot this guy's finger off hey watch me shoot this guy's downstairs finger off it's just like you got like a lot of different variations it's like they're playing pool uh, yeah, yeah. socket 300 meters wind to the left <laughs> every joint I, i'm taking out every joint we're just gonna yeah. go up <laughs> we'll see how this goes <laughs> <laughs> and seamus is returning death from above uh those poor knees uh, one those poor knees and two there's a large margin for error if you don't jump at the right time not only do you miss your target but you hurt your knees even more and look like an amateur and that's yeah absolutely i missed a jump in assassins this is like all the bad assassins and, oh man i i just <laughs> missed this so bad and it was like one of those like try you see the guy trying to steady himself and just the thud it's like oh that i'm sorry bassam that was that was not nice of me. Um, so thank you guys for, uh, for for playing along with that one, for writing in. Um, Todd will be back, I'm sure, next week to uh, to torture me with some absolutely insane choices. I got to raise the bar, Mark. I got to I got to raise the yeah. bar on my own self. You know, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, the funny part is when they talked about the knees. I w- when I was playing Starfield a couple weeks ago, I fell. Like I or I jumped off a surface that I shouldn't have, and it's like you've hurt your knees. I'm like, 
I have to deal with that in real life. I don't want my joints being called out <laughs> in video games. I want to yeah. escape reality. It's like, oh, you got a bad back now. I'm like, I, you know, go to the doctor, get some, you know, physical therapy and come back in two weeks. No, no, no reality in my gaming. I don't want that. No. Oh, well. Um, so let's actually talk about some games. Um, Jason, what have you been gaming, man? So I just finished Sea of Stars with the oh. true ending. Well, the nice. second end, or the complete ending. So if you've played it, there's a number of tasks to do after you beat the game, and you can get a different ending. Um, I actually did kickstart this, um, cool. but it is it's probably one of the best games I've played all year. It's just, they did the attention to detail, and it's really like a labor of love. And, I mean, they just, and it's such a stark contrast to The Messenger. It's same universe, but like mm. the difference in games, and you're like, "Wow, this is uh, it's like totally different." And like the, the effort they put in, it's like this is amazing. Uh, so highly recommend that. Um, I I did jump into Immortals of Avion. It's it's interesting. Um, the combat is fun. It feels like a boomer shooter. It's very chaotic. Talking to me. Talking to the boomer. But I feel the pacing's a little off, but maybe because I'm only about five chapters in. Like, you Mm -hmm. go from these boomer shooter chaotic fights to walking into the city and talking, and it's like, all right, let's let's pick up the pace. Come on. I just got a new power. I don't want to talk about it. I want to blow something up. Um, I am playing a game that's under NDA, so I can't really talk about it, but there is a demo. So I guess this is, I could say, check out Wizard with a Gun. There's a oh, demo yeah. on Steam right oh, now. Yeah. I'm in the play test. So my guess is the version I'm playing is different than the demo. But this is out um, end of the month. And I think uh, the free demo on Steam right now. So definitely check it out. And last but not least, I, um, I played about two hours of Cocoon last night. Huh? I, I just started. I was just playing that before we got on, Jason. It's a. Uh, it's very interesting, but it's one of those games you definitely need to be in the mindset to solve puzzles. It's not a turn your brain off because it's very. You know what it reminded me? It reminded me of Member Monument Valley, the iOS and Android yeah. game that was mm-hmm. very think outside the box to solve puzzles. That's um, this is much grander scale, but um, uh, this it's it looks. Beautiful. I mean, also, this is the Limbo um, studio, so they're known for, I mean, the way it looks. But, uh, yeah, this is a fascinating game. I'm really yeah, it's kind of a it's it's a the aesthetic is different because you think of like play dead games and yeah. or is it play dead laboratories? I, I, they did in Limbo and Inside, yes. um, and those games are very dour and stark. Yes. This is bright, beautiful, kind of a deserty alien world. Your character is like a bug man. He comes out of a cocoon and and it's very um, it's it's not just side scrolling anymore you're basically it's a full world you go into deal plays with different uh heights and i did beat the first there's a boss there are boss battles in this um but there's only one button in this game essentially it's typically to pick something up 
or to pull something. And in this case, it's it's just using the environment, not like a weapon or anything. It's just using the environment to take on the boss. And um, so I think it. I think that's kind of neat that they're expanding the type of gameplay. Um, and even when you die. I felt like I got right back into it, which was kind of nice. Yeah. And it does deal with like multiple worlds. Like you're, you're, you're exploring, you're trying to get to a certain part, there's puzzles, and then you need to get back there. And I, I thought this was kind of neat, Jason, the, um, when you beat a boss or get something, you actually get, um, your reward is like something that helps you with traversal. Yes. Like the one you get, which is kind of funny. Cause if you think of like those old, um, like some of the Mario power-ups where you can't see that level and only only so much you can see going forward, like you're carrying something with it. That was one of the power-ups. Like it basically allows you to mm. see like hidden pathways. Um, the other one was just kind of unlock certain things. So I, I liked what they're doing. Um, it's it's definitely an interesting game and I've heard it, it only gets better from there. Yeah, I've, I'm through two bosses now. Okay. Like, you don't really fight the boss. You make the boss lose in a sense like yeah. there's only one button so you're just kind of manipulating the environment to make him do something and then it unlocks a new and it's you have to play it's it's like inception you're in a world you beat a boss you leave the world to go into another world but you can access yes. the previous world and you can kind of manipulate how it presents itself yeah there are no maps so that's the other map. thing to, to be aware of so if you just want to make note of your environments to know where you need to go. Uh, but it's, it kind of makes sure you know where to go. It, you kind of get a feel like it's guiding you, but it, you're still exploring. It's on Game Pass, and they just announced today that it's Steam Deck verified, if anyone was interested. Ooh, nice. That makes sense. Yeah. I could see this game probably come to Switch, maybe. Yeah, I can. doesn't seem too... I mean, it's 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 stylized, which makes it helpful it, versus like complex. Never been exclusive to one particular platform, so I don't see why they wouldn't um, nice. bring it over. Yeah, I think it's ex- I think it's just on Xbox and PC no, it's right, now, right Oh, it is. Okay, okay. I played it on Game Pass on PC because I was like, oh, it's there so. and it's free. So yeah, it's always interesting what's developed for what. And uh, exactly. I've, I've even asked devs about it, and there's really no straight answer as to it's just what kit's easier to work with and sometimes this one's easier and sometimes this is but um yeah that's about it i mean i try to focus i found if i stick to two games at most it's kind of across all my all my consoles Yeah, <laughs> I've got FOMO. I'm like, which game is calling to me? It's a lot. It's a lot to manage. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Well, very cool. Um, Mark, um, you're playing the game that was just number one at the box office this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am playing Paw Patrol World. Again, I have to give a, a big shout out to Outright Games. Uh, I am an Outright Games ambassador. So I got a, uh, a special review copy of this game uh, for Switch, and it is uh, it's great. It's it's um, an open world Paw Patrol game, free roaming, three D. You can uh, explore all of like Adventure Bay, Jake's Mountain, the jungle, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can switch at any time between any of the pups. There are different places. Like if you want to go on water, you got to pick Zuma and go on his hover hovercraft. If you want to, you know, 
do this or that. Like you got to pick certain pups for certain tasks at different times. But for the most part, you can just run around. It's two player can drop in and drop out anytime. Uh, so really, really flexible that way. It's cute. It's well voice acted. Um, it's, you know, fairly simplistic. So my son was really into it. Um, just kind of watching. He hasn't really fully grasped like stuff, but like he knew to run around and, and try to collect pup treats. And again, as usual with Outright Games, by default, these games are geared for kids and ready to go. So like by default, they turn off camera motion. So when I'm playing, I like to control the camera. So I flick that off in the settings, but it has to be flicked off because again, by default, the camera just follows you and does what it's supposed to. And it's pretty intelligent that way. Um, so, you know, like even a three-year-old can kind of play this and go after some pup treats and really have a fun time. But it's kind of, you know, it's, it's more when like, okay, buddy, you got to press this button to like switch a pup or like that button to get in the vehicle or get out, which you can also do at any point. You want to just jump into Rubble's tractor and go for it. Like you can do that. Cruise up the street, do your thing. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's really fun. He just got a kick out of just watching it and watching the story unfold, like original story, plus like some of the kind of stuff from the TV. And he was picking out characters, even like NPC style characters. He's like, oh, that was this one. Oh, look, go, go, go back, go back, go back. I just saw this person. Like he was getting so into it cause he loves Paw Patrol so much. Um, so I was, I was super excited to play this game. It's, uh, it's out for everything. It's out for, uh, like I said, I've been playing it on Switch, PS4, PS5, Steam, Xbox One, the Xbox Series consoles, um, wherever you can get this game. If you have kids that love Paw Patrol, this is one to get because you can just go explore Adventure Bay, which is awesome. Like how often, you know, do we get to explore the cartoons and all that kind of stuff that we watch? I remember, like that was a big thing for like Simpsons Hit and Run. Mm-hmm. like back in the day it was like yep. you can explore springfield come on like this is that but for paw patrol kids like if your kids in paw patrol like just just do it just this is great yeah, um, i'm jealous i wish they had a wiggles game like that when logan was a kid um but yeah. not so much i cannot wait for you saw the paw patrol my my girls did so uh nice i i see this as a purchase in the future <laughs> well it's cool they can For play sure. co-op that's kind of nice i mean with your kid i mean mm-hmm. it, it's something fun to play and and i don't know do, do they change difficulty by player or is it just you just play the same default difficulty i think it's just kind of the same difficulty i don't i don't recall there being a difficulty ramp up i could be mistaken on that one but i don't I uh old version of Paw Patrol. Yeah, that's <laughs> one they throw. Because you said it's open world. They, they throw you. They could throw you in jail. They, they throw you in jail. You get arrested. It's great. Uh, that would be fantastic. But no, I think it's it's pretty much just the basic. Uh, you know, pick up these power ups. Uh, there's a lot of unlockables too, which are adorable. Like you can put hats on the pups or get, you know, different uh, little collectibles and and different things. Vehicle stickers, uh, postcards, and all that kind of stuff. An artwork for a Chickaletta the chicken um, art exhibit, which uh, it's just, there's so much ridiculous stuff. It's just so great, and it's so like. Again, if if your kids are into Paw Patrol, like this is this is one that they're going to enjoy. This is like 
it's just there's so much fan service. It looks like they're doing the same kind of thing with the Bluey game that comes out in November. Yep. And November. Uh, it just looks like straight up like you're just ripping it out of the cartoon and just having another fun adventure and story. So uh, my little dude, Finn, he loves Paw Patrol. And this was this was like right up his alley. This was like Saturday morning. Instead of watching cartoons, we played a cartoon. It was awesome. So that's uh, that's pretty good. And then I really switched gears <laughs> and went for the pretty much the exact opposite of the spectrum. Uh, I got a, again an early review code as a, a Ubisoft Canada ambassador um, for Assassin's Creed Mirage. Um, that is why this episode dropped a little later on Wednesday. As you're listening to it, as I'm talking about it, uh, I can't even like publicly talk about it aside from like, I even got an email today of like, Hey, uh, we forgot to stipulate, like don't share this or don't share that. It's like, nah, I'm sharing like the download screen and telling people that I'm playing it. And that's it. Like there's, you know, there's some, <laughs> some stuff. Um, but because you're listening on Wednesday after whenever the, you know, the time stipulation is over, um, I can at least share my initial thoughts. I will just say upfront, um, due to, you know, playing Paw Patrol and the weekend being the weekend and having a three-year-old, I did not put a ton of time into this game. I put a few hours in, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a decent little chunk into the game, but like not at a place where I feel like I want to give it a full review. Um, so that's going to come later. I'm going to do like a, a separate review episode. I'm going to like write down some of my thoughts kind of talk about them in probably a solo podcast might jump. If there's someone else that's been playing it that I know that wants to like kind of jump in and, and, you know, bounce some of the stuff off. But um, for right now, I'm just planning like a solo special episode. It'll drop for Patreons first. And then a day or two later, it'll drop for the public feed. Um, so wait for that. That'll be my full review on, on Assassin's Creed Mirage. But for right now, this game feels like the first couple of Assassin's Creed games. Uh, it is scaled back, scaled down, um, mostly kind of takes place in, in Baghdad. Uh, you follow Basim, who we met already in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, but this is basically his introduction into the order. So I think it's 10, 11, 12 years before we see him uh, in in Valhalla. So this is kind of a prequel to that, but uh, again, a lot more focused feels more like the first game. There's um, you know, the, the buildings are, there's a lot of scaling buildings rather than like open fields and open, you know, places that you can go nature and whatever. Uh, there's a lot of stealth. The first few missions, you don't even have the option to attack people with a weapon. It is all stealth kills. It is all sneaking and running. Um, it is a really big change for, from walking in and just being this badass Viking who instantly can take people down or my personal favorite of the series, uh, black flag, where you start off and you're just this swashbuckling pirate who has dual wielding swords and a gun and you can just like do whatever he wants and kills the assassin. And then is like, okay, well I'm taking your costume. I guess I'm an assassin now deal with it. Like very different vibe. This dude is training. He is failing. He is getting his ass handed to him. 
and it is a a return to the roots of the series. And I love that. I love how scaled back it feels. I love, I'm not usually one to love stealth, but it was like, it felt like I was going on that journey and I knew I was getting to a point where eventually I'd get the blade. Eventually I'd get some swords. Eventually it would open up to be more like an Assassin's Creed game that I'm used to, but we haven't really seen that kind of the journey so far. Uh, I'm invested in the characters, the story. It's, uh, it's all kind of interesting to see again, where this character started and, and going back that way. So, uh, without giving out too much of the story, I'm yeah. My initial impressions are, if you were a fan of Assassin's Creed One, or even like you know the Ezio trilogy, um, this is really giving off those kind of vibes. Uh, but has the benefit of playing on modern systems, of learning from those games, of you know not being as janky or as repetitive or this or that or whatever right like it's still varied it from the first mission you can sneak in and it says you can follow this person or figure out your own way to do it she knows how to get in you can follow her or do your own thing so i kind of followed her for a second and then i saw something i was like I'm going to go up there for a sec. And I, I messed off into my own way and then met up with her later. Um, and she was just like, where'd you go? And I was like, don't worry about it. I, I got, we got this. Um, and it was like, it's, it's just, they, they let you do what you want, how you want to do it. Um, so like we were saying in the buy rent return, um, if you see someone, you can f- figure out those patterns and say, oh, okay, I'm going to go in low or I'm going to go in high or like, I can't even face this dude. Like I got my ass handed to me last night playing this and I fought him a second time. I was like, no, no, no. I've learned from my mistakes. No, I didn't. I did not. I got my ass handed to me again. I just got to skip that guy. There's nothing like, no, right? no, I'm just, I'm just running. So, so uh, get used to that. Cause I was not used to, <laughs> I was not used to that. And like Assassin's Creed games anyway. Yeah. So it's it's good, man. It's it's really good. It's it's a change. It's different. If you're only used to, or if you hated the first in the series, and you really like the modern Assassin's Creed games more, eh, maybe it's not going to be your jam. But like for me, I've played every single one from the beginning, including the side scrollers, the mobile games, the 3DS game, like or the DS game or whatever it was. Um, so that I'm I'm fitting right in. It's giving me a little nostalgia trip. It's great. So would you? I, so I played one and then two. The oh. whole animus thing kind of, I was not interested. But then I eventually got back to Origins, like maybe two or three years after. And mm-hmm. what I liked about Origins over Odyssey, Origins felt obviously it's grander world, but you felt like an assassin. Like Odyssey, mm-hmm. you're just really like you're a merc. You're not like you could do the stealthy stuff, but like in reality, you could just so. Is this like a scaled down version of like if someone like Origins, like not as grand, but like with the whole, like, cause even in Origins, he wears the iconic hood and like it's, you can be more yeah. of the stealth variety. So, yeah, you that, it, close, but like if you like that one, you'll kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're, you are more, you feel more of an assassin. So, that's something I didn't, I, I'm, I'm really glad you actually brought that up because there's like, as when you finally become an assassin in this, and there's kind of that big training montage, like I said at the beginning, 
Um, but once you finally kind of open up that city, you go back and you're an assassin. A lot of the, like it's it's finding clues. Like you're actually doing the assassin work of like who do I have to kill? What do I have to do? I found this. Okay, well this probably came from that section of town. That's the, you know, this is a piece of fabric. I'm going to go to the fabric district. I'm going to talk to a contact I know there. Okay, this guy sent me to these guys. These guys will only talk to me if I free their men. So I'm going to go free their men and I'm going to kill whoever I need to. And then I'm going to get back. And it's, it, it is that kind of like methodical assassin kind of like figuring out the steps and tra- tracing your target and then going after it. So it's varied missions. And yeah, you definitely, you feel more like an assassin than, than a merc for sure. Is yeah. there a skill tree? Is there experience points? Is it like, yes. you know, I mean, it's okay. There, it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's a, but yeah, this Batman kills. Um, yes, Todd, there is a, a skill tree. Um, so, and, and I mentioned the fall damage before, and that was one of the first skills that I bought was like, okay, you, when you roll, when you hit from a, a higher jump, you roll. Like that's a skill tree thing that you can unlock. And so there's different, there's different things from like, um, you know, scout, scouting out your territory, uh, using your, your Eagle companion. Um, so different perks for that. There's different perks for sneaking and there's different perks for attack or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, you can kind of balance it how you want to, but so far I've been kind of doing mostly in the traversal. Yeah. Don't die when I do something stupid kind of. <laughs> fall damage kind of thing so, yeah what yeah. about um yeah. armor upgrades weapon upgrades does it a thing do you acquire yep. different ones do you can yep. you buy them or is it part of a quest you get one and or, or a mission you get it from that uh yes to all of that <laughs> you can <laughs> go to okay. you can go to the uh the, again, the, 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 diff, the, the different districts. Uh, so you can go to like the, the okay. tailors, you can go to the blacksmiths, you can get them to do weapons. You can um, you bring them the material that they need. Uh, you can buy stuff. I straight up found an outfit on um, actually that mission that I got my ass handed to me. I, I, there's a tiny little puzzle on a ship that um, you know, I, I, I just, I, ended up, you know, kind of figuring out the puzzle. And at the end there was a, a chest and it gave me a brand new outfit. So there it goes. Um, so yeah, a lot of ways to get different um, things and each outfit, each weapon has an upgrade path itself where you can take this raw material and make your sword better. Take this raw material and boost up this. Uh, there's also similar to Hogwarts legacy, where if you like something you're wearing, you can change it, but you can kind of keep the perks from something else. Oh, transmog. Um, yeah, a little transmog kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so you can kind of look how you want to. You can dye your fabrics. You can really customize your look and also customize your your perks and abilities. So very open to interpretation how you want to play it-ish, you know, because it is still <laughs> that stealth assassin kind of game for me so far. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of variation within that, that I think is going to be interesting to a lot of people. I think the thing that I'm hearing for most people about this game is it's like 20 hours max. And that seems to be a very smart decision. 
in where those Ubisoft games, they got to be like 150 hours plus DLC and expansion. It's like, and it seems like that's just, um, I don't want to say it dilutes it, but it does feel mm-hmm. like it a lot. It, it kind of prevents a lot of people from wanting to go into that because they feel like, well, unless I do it all, I feel like it's a waste. So this is kind of nice yeah. going scale back, very focused and mm-hmm. probably more satisfying and getting a lot of new people potentially back into the franchise. Yeah. The, myself included, man. Like I, I love the series, but like it got to be so big. It was like too big for me to finish some of the games. Like I'd finish them to a satisfactory conclusion or it'd take me a freaking year or two to finish the game of just like going back in and just like, okay, yeah. Okay. Where the heck was I? Oh, right. Yeah. I remember how to play this game now. Okay. Let's do a few more missions or whatever. And I'd finally figure out the story and kind of golden path it by the end of it. Um, But yeah, this is again, scaled back. It's a, manageable story length you can kind of do everything and just be like cool i am satisfied with this and there's still other things to it you can do the historical tours and all that kind of stuff that the assassin's creed games have been really good at putting in there as well so there's all that extra content but like yeah manageable story sign me up yeah i think it's also 50 bucks the ubisoft formula works better with like like a far cry. I'm going to take a plane mm. up. I'm going to crash the plane into your base as I skydive down with rocket launchers. An assassin's game, you need that close because, yes, you can go in loud, but you want the option. And, like, when you're running, mm. like, I remember in Origins, I was on horseback for, like, a solid, like, in real life five minutes. Just, like, go. It's like, what, why? Like, what? Yeah, I think this, it depends on, and I think with Assassin's Creed, it, it does lend itself to a scale down because then it's everything's it works it's, better for that type of story. It's funny you mentioned the horse thing because uh, again, early on, you you pass your initiation, you're you're heading to Baghdad, and and you're on camels, and there's this really great, really cinematic, cool cutscene, and then you. You finish off and it's like, okay, we're heading to the bureau. You can kind of explore and go off, uh, whatever. And and you're on your camel. And I'm like, this is going to take me like 10 minutes, real world time to like run into town on my frigging camel across the desert, whatever. It's like two seconds. Like you could just get off the camel and run into Baghdad. And I was like, that's different. That's not a 10 minute ride. What is this? This is, this is amazing. And it was literally like, yeah, like just, just, just the camel was just kind of there for like, a cool cinematic take, but like it took 30 seconds to get where I needed to go. I was like, Ooh, that's a refreshing different take. I like this. I know what this game's about. Like that was telling in itself of like, and I was again, so glad you, you, you brought that up like super relevant of like, that's what the old games did. And I appreciated that. I like that. But like this game, it, it almost felt like they were specifically doing it for that of like, if you played these and you're used to like, 10 minute horse rides across Egypt. Guess what? <laughs> There's none they of that. Checklist. They had yeah. a checklist. Uh, we got to address all these things. We're going to go through it. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 And it's a $50 game. So normally games, new games are $70 now. That's just the new yeah. thing. So this is 50 bucks, which is great. I mean, it's, you know, it doesn't diminish a quality game to make it mm-hmm. more affordable, which is great. And yeah, I mean, I think there's like, eight new Assassin's Creed projects being planned anyway. So if this isn't for you and you want the old school style, I'm mm-hmm. assuming there's going to be more of those two, which is nice to have the balance. 
Yeah, I mean, there's another one coming out next month. Uh, if you're a VR fan, Assassin's Creed Nexus. I'm really hoping to check that one out. And, Talk about um, hurting your knees when you're actually up and falling <laughs> and attacking someone, Mark. I'm just really, yeah, I, 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 I'm scared for whoever's in a room when I'm playing this and I'm actually going for the kill. Sorry, Finn. Like, I'm going to, yeah. I'm Daddy just, does love you. <laughs> he yeah. didn't mean to kill you, try to kill you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. throw that in with the quest three with like some full color pass through i'll be jumping doing yeah. flips off my couch and stuff that be yeah. it's, it's gonna be intense perfect yeah. perfect oh uh, well well i God. have been doing um something that i'm not good in real life which is mortal Kombat. uh fighting uh creatures from other worlds it's not my my, my forte in real life but in the video game I love it. I love it. Uh, prior to this, I played uh, Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath because I hadn't played that before. Loved that. Got me up to speed. Just remember, reminded me why I love um, uh, Netherworld uh, fighting games. Uh, it's a shame we haven't got another um, Injustice game, and I don't know if we ever will again. But right now we're getting Mortal Kombat. It's all Mortal Kombat all the time. Movies, animated things. But mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat 1, um, I got it from Gamefly, and I just devoured the game. Um, it is um, really cool because it, it's basically taking place right after 11, Aftermath. And it's basically, it's resetting the world in a remix. It's almost like remixing Mortal Kombat, where everything you kind of know about these characters there's pieces of it, but it's remixed, um, which is kind of neat. Uh, you've got Scorpion and Sub-Zero now as essentially Blood Brothers. Um, you've got, um, the, the, you know, the game, it's not spoilers, but Liu Kang is now the new uh, Raiden. Basically, he's the fire god. Uh, Raiden is reset as just a regular person. And um, it's kind of neat how they've also reset the, the you know, Netherrealm as, as well. Um so it's just setting all these things. It's neat. You get to see creatures, characters being different than they were previously. Um, and it's a blast. I really enjoy it. Um, uh, it's a, it's a really fun campaign and they do a great job of just getting you to play the other characters as they forward the story. You play each character a little bit so you get to understand what they're like. Um, in the campaign mode, there's really no fatalities. It's just because, they're like, well, you can't kill them because you're probably going to run into them later. So they don't want to deal with that. But it's, it is fun. Um, I really enjoyed the ending of the game because it's like you're kind of going to the finish. And it's, and it's essentially even getting more of like the multiverse where there is remixes of every character. Like, oh, that's a unique take on that character. And it's like you're, it's just one off as you're trying to get up this, 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 this end point. And it's just one after one. You're just running into them. And it's, it's, it's like one round of combat. And you're just trying to get up this, this mountain. It is a blast. I enjoyed it. Um, stay to the end of the credits because obviously this is not the end of the series. So I like what they're doing. Um, so it's it's a very satisfying game. Uh, the combat is wonderful and fun. Uh, it's as deep as you want to go. I played at medium difficulty, and I felt like I did pretty well. Um, I probably could have increased the difficulty and had more of a challenge, but I liked what I did. I I, I was there for the story and some some punches and just having fun time. Nice. There is, um, but after you beat the game, um, it's it's fun because they add in uh, essentially like a Mario party game. 
which is essentially it's like an overworld on a like almost like a board where you're like in you it opens on Johnny Cage's mansion and it's set and you go to these different nodes and d- you basically fight different characters you get different power ups um and you can get money to get different things cosmetics and things like that so i could see where People, if they just want to stick around, that's a great mode just to keep you going. If you don't want to just just do the the towers or anything like that, so I think that's a, that adds a lot of value to keep coming back to the game and have a good time. You can buy things in real money if you want. I didn't. You don't need to. It's just there if you want. Um, they. I don't know. I didn't get the 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 cameo pack or whatever that's got homelander it's got um uh blinking all the games uh, names omni man it's also got peacemaker uh and then some other uh, heritage mortal Kombat characters as well so uh but i am hearing some rumors like they may be bringing out some classic horror characters as well like chucky and jigsaw which is kind of weird because they're very tiny. <laughs> so I don't know how that works, but that would be a lot of fun. So I, I just love, love more combat. I, I, it took me about a week to beat it and I had a blast. Absolutely enjoyed it. Story's over the top, but man, it, it is fun. And I did finally figure out a couple of fatalities when I played like just some of the, some of the regular uh, combat modes and that was fun. But yeah. Um, yeah. When you screw it up, you just feel like a dumbass. <laughs> Nice. yeah you don't feel very good um so that's more common one check it out it's 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 gonna be it's that's gonna awesome. be a very popular year of fighters because um street fighter is already out so it's gonna become some competition tekken was smart to avoid this year and they're jumping in january and so i'm looking forward to tekken as well um and then uh a, a game that jason recommended i got from gamefly revenant 2 so i had some questions to jason so i asked him like it because i i thought i'm like because the first game, I didn't know a lot. I just knew it was kind of like known to be kind of souls like you with guns and things like that. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch some game. Like, eh, it didn't didn't grab me. Um, I'm not a hardcore gamer. I'm not a get good guy. I'm not uh, my my soul claim to fame in the world of souls type of games, roguelikes. Is I beat the first boss in Bloodborne. That's it. That's all I did. Beat it and ditched. Um, uh, so Revenant Two. So. I will say this coming into Revenant 2, they didn't tell me anything about the first game. So I'm like jumping. I'm like, I don't know anything about this world. It's kind of like post-apocalyptic kind of. There's a, a disease called the root, I think. And there's these weird, weird like goat pan creatures who are there who you're kind of in their world. Um, but there's this infection called the root that takes over people. And there's a lot of uh, demonic creatures and this is a multi co-op multiplayer shooter um that actually reminded me a lot of out outriders outriders yes yeah, yeah. um so kind of reminded of that third person shooter type of of game um I, I didn't play it cooperatively i just played by myself um and there is power up or basically um there's there's upgrades in most of your gear um, now the part that is a little bit more souls like is kind of like the, the bonfires in, in, in souls where you come back and that's where your progress. I didn't feel like it punished you with that. Like if you die, you go back to it, but, um, and, and I, I you keep your stuff. So that was that, I mean, I think this type of game you want to play, um, I think it's good for that. Um, 
The game, though, did not look like a PS5 game. It looked like a PS4 game. Um, I tried it on quality and performance settings. It just looked very muddy. It didn't it didn't blow me away. So I kind of like, hmm, you know, considering where we're at now three years in, if a game is on this next gen, I kind of expect it to be a little like when you're talking to a character and you don't see their lips move and their face is kind of muddy in a kind of a, a talking scene, like, hmm, okay. Didn't love that. Um didn't love the combat. It did nothing for me. Um and I felt it was very repetitive. And in the the level design very boring and repetitive i didn't find anything interesting when i found something it's a it's a it's a chest with something i'm like yeah it didn't grab me at all but i think for a lot of people that are into like a if you want to play co-op with buddies i think it could be a very fun game um i did see the high praise of it so maybe i'm missing something but for me i played it i'm like Sorry, I, I I think it's it's like I said it's it's like Outriders and Gears like in a little bit, but um, I I played at the lowest difficulty. Obviously, I can tell this game is a game that is going to be. I got to the first boss and I'm like, got to the boss. I'm like, yeah, see what they're doing. I'm just not finding the fun here. So um, not for me, but I know Jason, you loved it and you platinumed them. So um, this game is for. Not for me, but I think a lot of people will find it. It's it's getting great reviews. So this wasn't a Todd game. So I actually have a article I wrote. I I rarely do like features because you know I mostly do reviews. I beat the game at around the forty hour mark. I am now at one hundred sixty hours. Holy cow! So now i'll just quickly because i will i'll you can read it when it comes out this week but this is i compared it to what i thought diablo was going to be diablo Mm -hmm. super excited played all the betas i got it early access beat it put 70 hours in the whole diablo thing the procedural generated like you go in different but diablo to me was just okay it's the same dungeon there's nothing it's a different mm-hmm. layout, but just a monster, you kill them all. There's actually Reddit deep dives on Remnant 2. There's literally every stage can spawn two different world bosses, and each of those stages can spawn up to three different dungeons. And those dungeons could spawn like two to three different variations. There are, it's, Jesus. yeah. It, 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 <laughs> That's what. That's why I put like you can run. Oh, I got the dungeon I want, and it's not the dungeon version that you wanted. So you have to. Mm. You, there's a there's a way in the game to re-roll. You don't have to like replay the whole game. It's not like one of those. I got to start over. Like they made it from the first game. They improved on this. Like basically, you could just re-roll the world you're in. Like just restart it, and it'll come up with a different type of. Oh, there will be this dungeon, but it's like there's so many, and and I played this with Matthew Keel. Um, we had platinum the first one. This is actually the first platinum I got with my youngest daughter. I was on leave. Oh wow! And I swaddled <laughs> and I platinum this, so it was kind of special. And then he platinumed it. Now he's a dad, so it was kind of oh, yeah. we wanted to do this together. But like, it's one of those things where. It definitely works better as if you have one or two people to play with. I could it's, see that. It's not yeah. for everyone, but if you like that style, definitely yeah. there's the replayability is just insane if you really want to look for it. 
It's funny because I played a game last year. Was it Evil West? Was that the game? Evil West? Um, and that's an over-the-top uh, third-person combat game, kind of Gears-like. And that one's over the top. And it's definitely straightforward. It feels kind of like a throwback. But I love that one because it was just all in on... Um, it knew what it was. You're fighting vampires, just having a good time. And um, that is not Revenant. Revenant is definitely feels like it's more rewarding. Uh, if you dig in, you uh, get upgrades. It's um, got challenges because you can get like uh, uh, there's like status effects you can get to in the world. And those and you have to worry about them. You can get uncumbered. Apparently that can slow you down, reduce your stamina and things like that with a roll. So um like I said, I, I think this is a game that it's 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 for uh, a certain type of player like you, Jason. Like, yeah, I can play it for 160 hours because it's giving you more, you know, ability to replay what you love and, and do things. So I think if that's the type of game you want, like game you can dig in and just enjoy good shooting, because I thought the shooting was pretty good um, uh, and the variety of weapons and things like that. So, um, yeah, oh, there's <laughs> like 20 to 25 like builds you can do with yeah. different weapons. There's there was oh. even the biggest secret for the game was through data mining. They literally hid it, and it was intended for people to find through data mining. Ah, uh, okay. Like it's one of those they threw it in yeah. there, and you're like, "Wait, how do you do this?" Yeah, and I liked it because you can get four classes, which I didn't even talk about. Because I picked the class where you have a, a a dog essentially with you who can go and attack. You can pick up <laughs> be a medic, which which I thought that's the medic uh, seemed really cool because essentially you can. Uh, it's it kind of reminds me of Resistance too, where the multiplayer where the medic could like just shoot people and give them like health, <laughs> which I love that like idea. Kind of like uh, was it uh, Counter Strike or no? Um, like Counter Strike. Mercy. Oh, uh, Overwatch and what's the old one by v- Valve? Team Fortress. Um, Team Fortress, yeah, like the the medic mm. and things like that. So kind of remind me of that. So yeah, that's so that's where the you could probably points. play a different build each time you wanted to if you want to dig deep in this game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. Really, uh, I should have this article out this week, but like, oh, cool. it's really, it's either I'm going to beat this. 35, 40 hours, or I'm going to keep going. Like, there's 10 classes to unlock. There's all these extra guns. There's bosses have alternate kills. Like, there's all, there's so much to do on a single. Just, you just keep going if you really want to. Yeah. And it's it's funny because, Jason, you mentioned Immortals of Avium, and that's a game where that seems like a Todd game. So Mm -hmm. I really want to try that one. Um, I'm hoping it'll come to like EA Access or something like that down the road, but I know that developer, and we're going to talk about that, uh, unfortunately was was hit with um, some pretty big uh, negative layoffs um, and it is struggling to really find a place in this marketplace, which is really, really tough. So um, I think we nailed all the games, folks. So uh, hmm. I, I, I think everybody's having a good time. Mark, good to see you enjoying a, a big, hearty game and... Uh, We'll see where we uh, what we talk about next week because in two more weeks, yeah. God, there's just going to be more games to play. So um, much, they can, yeah, exactly. Jeez, so pizza. That's even before like Spider Man and some of the other big games come out. I think yeah, Ford is the worst. Indie, the next Spider-Man. big one. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, and then uh, Mario too. Oh well, well, yeah. let's get into the mo- the, the bonus round. So I picked this one because. Um, there's a lot of negativity in the world right now when it comes to uh, sustainability of, of, of developers, basically. And a lot of it comes down to a couple of things. Um, probably the amount of games that are out there 
um, the size of the budgets of games and the different models to go after games. And, and essentially, you've got games that are $70, limited amount of time you play them. You've got games that are free to, free to play that you could play for years and you just pay basically cosmetics and things like that, the Fortnite model. And then you've got, you know, indies that are smaller. Um, and so there's a, so many different ways to, to play, but the, the common denominator is we haven't found our way to get more time in our life on a weekly basis. We have not powered up our ability to stretch time. So we have a limited amount of time to game. And I was just doing some fun facts here. Um, well, I was looking at the Steam database. It says there's been 976 games released in 2023. Wow. That is essentially like 20 games a week. <clears throat> wow. Uh, Steam has over 12,000 games in its library. Um, this is a fun one. The Wii, the Wii U eShop had 266 games. Think about that. The Switch, as of... I couldn't find a new updated number, but it says of September 2022, the Switch has 4,600 games. That's 2022? That's 2022. So, I mean, assume another 500? 1,000? Yeah, really. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, PSN, and this is across PS4, PS5, like 8,000 games. PS5 essentially plays all the PS4 games, not, not, not the other way around. So, I mean, that's huge Xbox store. What I could, I couldn't find really good numbers, but it said across all their platforms, 10,000 games. So, I mean, that's cloud streaming PC series X, Xbox one. I think even some of the old 360 games that you can still get from the marketplace. Um, and (laughs) poor quest one and two, uh, 289 games. (laughs) They still beat the that's Wii U. That's what I could that's, find. That's, that's still like, yeah. I mean, it, it's a digital marketplace. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't look up like PSVR and things like that, but you know, it is what it is. So it, I, I just thought that was hilarious. That I'm like, there's just, there's just. I mean, I, I can only imagine. And you know, you think about it, like the big studios, they maybe put out fifty games a year if the big of the the big three plus you know ubisoft and the big publishers i don't know 50 60 games like the big budget games mm. and then you got everybody else all the little guys all the little you know and i think even if you talk about ios some games come there apple store android so um depending on where you play plus all the free-to-play games you don't pay a, a dime for except for your time and maybe a season pass or, or cosmetics mm. uh so with that and I don't even know. I mean, I look at typically in a year, I'll probably beat 10, you know, at, no, probably more than that, probably 20 to 30 games. What I'll probably beat in a year. Jason, how many games do you typically beat in a year? Normally I'm in the seventies. Oh, although, uh, this year's lower, but I finally quit Warcraft cold Turkey. So, next oh, okay. Year well, that, number. that's your problem right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Warcraft. That's that's a yeah. that's a that's a basically a, a lifestyle. Um, but I put, but as you mentioned, I do play a lot of indies, and most yeah. indies, for the time it takes you for a AAA game, I got three four under my belt already. Yeah, exactly. And we didn't even talk about like the services. Like uh, Game Pass is typically ten games a month. I think they typically try to put out a PlayStation between plus and the different services. Typically, it's anywhere. You know, three, you know, it, it's probably 10 to, to 15 as well with all their tiers. And Nintendo, they'll give you one 
Nintendo Online game. <laughs> maybe a Game Boy game once a month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and maybe a new F-Zero 99 game once a year. Um, yeah, so it's a little bit different. Um, and Mark, I mean, how many games do you, do you think you, you probably beat or at least, you know, play through or play? Because I know you, Fortnite's your, yeah. your big daddy game. So that's never ends. Yeah, yeah. I mean... That's the thing. Like games, games that I play, games that I that I, I touch, dip out. I'd say a fairly decent amount. I don't know if I if I could put a number on it right now, but like a pretty decent amount. Like anything, usually that's like mentioned on the show or that like people are talking about in Discord. I'll at least try a little bit. But like as like many games that I beat, like fully beat, including like indies, that kind of stuff. Mate, like. 10 to 20 games a year. You know what I mean? Like if I'm, I'm lucky if I can finish like a full kind of meaty game a month, some months again, if I'm doing some indies or something like that, I can knock out a couple, um, smaller Nintendo games, that kind of thing. But like, yeah, it's, um, I think when games are on service, there's less for me, there's less pressure to beat the game. Cause I yeah. feel like I didn't pay $60. So I don't, I can just dip in and try it, get enough of it and then step back. Um, and so I don't know if that, and, and I also use Gamefly. So I pay for that service to play, get play new games. Um, I typically dip into the services and I will buy typically, I will only buy maybe five to six games a year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like the games that I probably can't get through a service. So I'll play them wherever I can, like Alan Wake, I'll be buying that. Um, um, I bought the Spider-Man collection, uh, things like that. So um so it's it's interesting when we talk about like, you know, we don't play the amount of games that have come out in a year, and I don't know what the average number that people play. So you think about how much money is going to then the developers, the publishers, and then to Sony and 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 the the platform holders, and then to Steam, and after they have to take their cut, and then what comes down to the developers? I, I'm just curious. Um, are we on a path of the game industry has to essentially contract or change their model or there really is not a long-term future for most game development studios because it's not sustainable if they don't find a mega hit to fund their next game. Hmm. I mean, Game Pass is an option, but like I said, Game Pass puts out about 10 games a month. That's not going to be, they're not going to be able to solve, you know, 500, 600 developers, you know, problems. Um, Steam, discoverability, all these things. Um, when you've got the big game and the and they don't have marketing budgets and they've got to hope people find them. So I mean, I, I mean, I, I just want to hear from you guys. What what do you think? Because I mean, we aren't hearing about a lot of studios. Um, you know, even the big companies are pulling back. They're pulling back people. I mean, Epic announced they're going to lay off eight hundred people. Um, they are getting rid of Bandcamp, and they completely they they really uh, carved out Mediatonic, the Fall Guys. That was like one of the biggest games forever. You know, it was like mm-hmm. cr- critical darling. It was everywhere. So I'm like, if they can't figure it out and make it profitable, I'm like, that's scary in a world. If you mm-hmm. are a developer, you want to get into game development, you want to be in the games industry, you want to be in j- games journalism, you want to be a streamer. That's that's pretty scary to me. I, I I don't know what the solve is, but I mean, I love these games, but I've only got so much time and money to play them, so I don't know how much I can actually help. I don't I don't think there's a 
I don't think it's as cut and dry. I think you do have to separate the free-to-play and the paid, because obviously there's a different... If a free-to-play studio closes, you can pinpoint more because obviously they were expecting like microtransactions or stuff like that to help them. And when it, and it's hard to like, like, um, the first, the last, what was it? The first descendant, the last descendant, what the, what was that shooter? It was just, um, there was a beta. The first, it's, oh, the, it's like, oh, that's right. That was shown at the PlayStation, uh, state of play, right? I just, I just played the open beta. It's, it's a good game, but it's very destiny warframe, like a mashup. How sustainable is that when you, you already have this massive Destiny community? Mm-hmm. And Warframe, defying all logic on their, like, what, 700th expansion, they're still going. How, like, a game to crash into that market? But then mm-hmm. again, they're backed by Nexon, which is a massive corporation. But I feel like the free-to-play studios, it's like you really have to catch, like, you have to get lucky. But then you have the the indie games. Like, look at Sea of Stars. It sold... Look at how well it sold its first week. Like, I think it's like... It's it's not as cut and dry. And, like, for us, there aren't too many games. Because we want that. Like, you, we don't want to be limited. But then... Because you got to think of it like... A new studio releases a product. They need to sell to keep the doors open versus like, I don't know, the car industry. Say Ford releases a new vehicle, it doesn't sell. They still have their other cars that are selling. So, okay, we scrap this, we move on. But like, what was, uh, the studio that did Shadow Tactics and the Cursed Gambit, mm-hmm. um, I can't think of the name. They shut down after their last release. And those were highly reviewed games all of their yeah. titles so i think it's like is it timing sometimes is it i mean the market the what what are people playing like and then you have studios like spider-man is coming out the same day as super mario do you think insomniac and nintendo are even worried about the other no because you right. know both of those are going to sell regardless some most people are going to probably buy both yeah. 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 We completely. We haven't completely got out of the mindset of a, a full calendar year. Still, we mm-hmm. still put too many. There's too many big games at the end of the year because of the so-called holiday buying season. Even though the majority of people that are buying games, you know, these days don't have to wait for mom and dad to buy them a Christmas present. So. <laughs> right. Right. Like, look. Yeah. Look at us. We're not waiting to. From. 30 years ago to now, like, if I want a new game tonight, like, I'm going to probably buy Paw Patrol for my girls. I'm not waiting yeah. for, like, a gift. Like, I'll probably buy that. Like, it's, so it's a different mindset, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and I, I, I do find an interesting feel, like, games that were heralded, you know, uh, and which, I, which makes me think of, like, Callisto Protocol. That game was like heralded, got huge publicity from Sony, was in several of their big presentations, uh, multi-platform uh, release, came out, did not sell well, and now the head of the studios left, and that team has been reduced, and that team is going to close. I mean, 
that's tough. I mean, that's that's I think I would say the, the success rate of a developer these days is about as good as a restaurant. Essentially, yeah. 20% will probably succeed and move on and do more and more games. But most, if your game doesn't succeed, you can't fund your next game. And CSR is an interesting one, Jason, because that game was highlighted on Xbox. It went to Game Pass. It went to PlayStation Plus. It's everywhere. And it, it's it's gotten broad publicity. Um, that's why I think it did so well because there were so many people behind that game. It was getting so much there. I think if that game was just released on Steam and hidden away, it wouldn't have the same success. So I think it becomes more than just being a good game. There's so many good games. I mean, that, there's not bad games anymore. There's just games that are better or get more acclaimed and... I mean, even Baldur's Gate was called like, oh, that's not going to be a, a second run game. That's not going to be a big deal. Now it's supposed to be the, one of the biggest games of the year, and it might even outdo Starfield for game of the year. So I don't know. It's it's just a weird situation. Um, it's kind of crazy. Even like, uh, you know, Qu- Qu- uh, Meta is building up their, you know, Quest VR. They got a new system coming out. They've they're they're laying off ten thousand people within their gaming piece. They they they're eliminating uh, people from Ready at Dawn and Downpour. So it's like mixed signals, right? It's like growing getting big when i get bigger and then you're like eliminating devs and it's like it's not mm-hmm. like i can leave this one and go to a new one when the industry essentially you see all these people leaving they're all gonna be fighting for jobs um it's in the gaming space is limited compared to other industries i mean right. you can't go to gm or chrysler if you have a gaming portfolio background typically you have to go back into gaming so it's a, mm-hmm. it's a little scary um and, and i i hope um there'll be more opportunities but when we talk about subscription gaming if that's our future there's only so many games that are going to go into subscriptions and that's a tough one, you know? So, um, so with that Mark, I mean, Apple, you think of like Apple arcade, right. Um, and, and where they're going with gaming, they, they're putting, they're selling, um, our our resident evil village for $60. And I'm curious to see how that takes off to, does that become a new market? Four and village. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, like, we've got to get maybe more marketplaces, to give more opportunities so developers can find more ways to sell their product, make more revenue. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. Right. And that's, that's hopefully, you know, um, whether that's subscriptions or if it's cloud gaming or a combination or whatever, just like, like you said, in more places, uh, more flexibility. I think the switch, kind of paved the way for stuff like steam deck and things like the, 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 again, the, the iPhone 15 or 15 pro or whatever, where, yeah, you can just attach that to a dongle. Like I have right here and plug in a USB and use a wireless controller. And that's essentially running game console stuff like the resident evil, like you said, Um, you know, if Apple's pushing that, if Apple's making that push into the gaming space, like, it I guess could be both good and bad, you know, it's like probably good for developers. Cause like you can make some bank on an Apple device, but um, you know, they also have the money to really disrupt stuff, which could again, cause layoffs at other platform makers or other studios that are owned by that or whatever. Right. It's, it's, um, you know, well, the Apple thing could also be a, a bad thing. Cause we don't know what it takes to port like Resident Evil on the iPhone. We don't know what it took to get that game. Obviously, the iPhone 15 has the capability, but it's not a simple, we're taking it from PS5. It's clearly a different version. So it's like, you don't, we don't know. So, yes, so it opens, go- the, 
But like, do going, you uh, gonna have that budget to? Oh, we can also put it on this device. Yeah. Well, going back to WWDC, and I don't know if this goes over to like iOS development, but I'm guessing it would uh, in a lot of ways. But Apple, again, that's one of the things they were pushing at the the Worldwide Developer Conference was the tools that they're using or the tools that they're building to allow developers to more easily port PC games over. So if your game can run on PC, they want it to be like a couple of days work versus a few months work. And they're building the tools to say, okay, this is taking this engine and it's translating it into something that we can understand or we can use, or you can like very easily translate and set up. It takes advantage of, you know, the stuff that Apple's doing um, with their chipsets. And even in the new one that was released this week uh, or last week, um, there's a gaming mode built straight into like the, the laptops. Like it, it um, clocks things up. It, it doubles, I think, the Bluetooth rate. To, for, so it's better with controllers, wireless headphones. Um, it basically just goes into a gaming mode specifically meant for that. So like if Apple seems to be really stepping it up and again, I don't know the stuff that I remember them talking about was more for like taking a PC game and changing it to a Mac, but I'm going to assume because it's all kind of built on the same platform that iOS would also be a fairly easy translation if the chips are again, more on par like they are on the 15 or the 15 pro. Um, so it's, yeah, I them, them making a push, they seem to be doing it in a way that is friendly to developers, which is, again, that's pretty good, right? Like it's um, cutting down the time and the cost that it takes to translate those. So hopefully they can just focus on the games and rather than like, oh, shoot, this isn't working on this device, right? So um, yeah. we'll see it that way. But like for me, it's like Jason said, that's it. There's no right answer for any of this, right? Could it be different devices? Maybe, but we've also seen stuff like Niantic fail with a half a dozen games from half a dozen franchises when Pokemon Go is still going strong. But like, who would have thought that Harry Potter, Ghostbusters, and whatever else is like a dud? You know, like the, I would have thought like Harry Potter would have been here to stay kind of thing. Like that was going to be like, there's fantastic beasts everywhere. You don't like Pokemon. Cool. Here's a Niffler or what, you know, like the, but like nobody cared. Everyone was like, who gives a shit? There's a dragon over there. No, I got a Charmander right here. Like go away. Um, You know, so like even a company like that, that has like this absolute bangity bang, bang, banger, uh, Joseph, (laughs) um like they they, sometimes they they, like you can't guess what's gonna what's gonna succeed so it's it's tough um but i think we're seeing some stuff that's related to this and i i hope that things kind of continue continue to go this way And, and that's like the game that i talked about assassin's creed mirage smaller scale i feel like i can beat it I feel a little less scared to jump in at that price point. Um, You know, you think about like the cost of entertainment and the time you put into it where you could like go to a movie or stream a movie or buy a movie or whatever. 
pretty low barrier of entry for a lot of stuff. I mean, going to a movie theater and getting popcorn and all that kind of shit like adds up pricing. But like buying games is expensive. You know, it's not like, you know, even if you buy purchase movies, like whether it's a a Blu-ray or digital or whatever, like it's like 20 bucks and you're good to go and you can rewatch the Super Mario Brothers movie over and over again. Um, It takes like an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. Like gaming, it's like a lot of these games, they think they need to justify the budget by padding out the game. So you have a $70 game that's 120 hours and you're like, I don't have 120 hours, dude. I'm not getting that. Like I just like, you know, and like I've skipped games because I've heard how long they are. And I'm like, I got a three-year-old. I'm not touching that. Like I would yes, love to field. It takes 12 hours before it gets good. Is what they said. I'm like, right. right. You, you can't, it, it, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's really interesting because, um, Capcom's now talking about like, they want to raise the price games even mm. more than 70. I'm like, um, I, I think that's going to be a challenge because yeah, if you want to grow, yeah, if you want to grow the install base, you have to find a way that makes it affordable and give an entry point. And, mm-hmm. you know, Nintendo even went to $70 this, you know, with, 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 um, um, tears of the kingdom. So it, it is a challenge, especially if you think about it, people are complaining about the price of Netflix going up like yeah. five bucks, it's $20 a month for unlimited watching of things. If you want versus one game that is essentially four X the price of Netflix or three X, and is only one thing that maybe one member of the family can enjoy, um, which which makes it a challenge. Um, and you know, even if you're like if you're a Nintendo household, potentially if everybody has their own Switch and they all want to play Mario Kart, that's an expensive proposition. Animal Crossing is the same way. You can't give your kid, you know, they they want their own island. They have to buy a separate Switch and their own game, which you know that's you know getting to three hundred, you know, two hundred sixty bucks. So um, I, I am curious. Um, you know, Phil Spencer made a point. He's like. You know, we really publishers have really screwed the pooch because they didn't invest in storefronts essentially. So now they're reliant on these just having a lot of money to fund some games. And if they fail, they're kind of screwed because they don't have a way to bring back their costs. I mean, Ubisoft has a storefront, Capcom doesn't. Um, Sony does obviously because their platform Nintendo does, but Konami doesn't. All these so essentially. Every game they make, they're losing 30% off bat because they have to give that money to PlayStation. So it's essentially, they're already at a, um, a, 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 they're in a negative position. And that's where I thought Epic was doing do a great job because they're essentially, they're creating a marketplace um, that essentially is cutting down the, the fees. I think they're at 8%. Everybody else takes 30, 38%. And everybody's complaining about Epic's the worst, Epic's where I'm like, I get it, but isn't that a better situation? Steam is thirty bucks or thirty percent. Apple's thirty percent. So I'm I'm just curious. It's like giving the the publishers more money back obviously allows them to put that money into other things or people and and, and things. And we're trying to unionize. So when people unionize, what does that mean? They want more money. They want more resources. So what is that going to mean to us as consumers? Typically, people don't want to have less profits. <laughs> they want more profits. So that typically means. Um, they're either cutting people and uh, doing more with less, which happens a lot, um, or they're going to raise the price of their services or microtransaction, do different things, DLC, things like that. So it'll be interesting to see where we go from this because I hate to see people that want to be in games not be able to do them because um, if they have one failure, 
that's the end of their career and they have to hope they can find another job. They have to move their family, go somewhere else. Um, if you want to be in media, I worry about people want to be in media because you see how many um, uh, traditional media sources are gone. Esports, people that are th- thinking about being in esports, essentially in the US, the esports market is going away. There's just not the success they could find internationally. It's a bigger deal. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious about when it all comes down to this. I'm like, I-, I hope we find a better way to approach gaming that's profitable creates great careers and does things like this. But um, I do worry when the biggest, some of the biggest companies in gaming are not leading the way, they're cutting back uh, and they're reducing resources to make games. So mm-hmm. that's, that's just a little scary. So um, if you had one wish to make things better or you would like to see changed that you think could make uh, the gaming um, industry for employment better, uh, you know, what's one thing you would do? Jason. Uh I, I, we didn't bring it up, but um, we're the problem, too. And people don't <laughs> want to talk about it. But no, but if you think about it, gaming as a whole, extremely toxic. I know you both have seen it on social media. But if you go into the individual communities, like Dark Souls, obviously, the whole get good. But if you actually dive into like the subreddits and like the Steam forums, people are super helpful. It's just that entry into the but i think like the whole the stupid console like we're all old enough to remember the actual console war sega versus mm-hmm. nintendo that's it but now you got people review bombing things that hurts yeah you're just hurting the sony ponies or the xbox but you're hurting the devs by making it like because then the the people not in the podcast communities the the non-gamers that aren't on reddit they're not on Twitter or X or whatever, like the just the regular consumers, they just hear word of mouth. Like you have the fans of like say Skill Up or ACG or the big YouTubers. If they don't like a title, all their fans don't like that title, mm-hmm. even without playing it, and then that spreads to their smaller group of friends. And then it's like I feel like. It's, I mean, it's how, well, can't we all just get along? It sounds stupid, but, like, I have a group of friends who game, but they're not into social media aspect. And they come to me for recommendations. And I'll give them the, like, I didn't like it, but I know you like this style. It's perfect mm-hmm. for you. We don't have enough of that, and I think that also hurts the bottom line and but nobody wants to think about it like it's not our fault it's the developer's fault they should have made a better game they should have advertised better it's like yeah but also you were trash talking a game you never played like i think so to see a better community as a whole i think would definitely help like mm-hmm. overall like it wouldn't solve it because a lot of games obviously come out cross-platform whether it's subscription or just native and you buy it on the store but the exclusives that get like people get upset when a playstation game gets ported to steam why are you upset about like how does that affect you Mm -hmm. on on a daily like oh no steam players play last of us it ruined for me like what yeah that's it so it it seems like you'd say we need more gaming ambassadors to the grow the audience be helpful be supportive um, and, you know, kind of don't engage with people that don't really want to make the world a better place. 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds so silly. Like it's it's kindergarten stuff. Like being yeah. nice to each other. Uh, or I think of like Roadhouse. Patrick Slade, be nice. Or just be nice. Like, but it, it's such a simple like. If I don't like a game, I'm not going to tell you. You two can't like this game. Like that doesn't. Maybe it's it. Like I love Remnant. Am I mad that you don't have the same experience? No, you tried it. Mm. If you liked it, all for the better. If you don't, it doesn't affect me. Like so, yeah. Better ambassadors as a whole, and not just the select few, like the big YouTubers or streamers. Yeah, we don't want gatekeepers. You know that only a select few are the chosen ones. So, like if Ninja mm-hmm. says, "Oh, this game's terrible. Don't play it." How many kids are not going to play it because of that? Yeah, thousands. Yeah. Mark, do you have a, a, a <laughs> solution for the gaming industry to? Uh... <laughs> uh, I personally, I, I, th- there's a trend that I've noticed that's so corporate. I think getting away from some, uh, I'm gonna say just like boardroom building kind of stuff of like it feels like there's checking off boxes Uh, like Avengers is a great example. You know, like you see great games that are ruined by little things. Avengers Anthem comes to mind of, you know, you you get this. It seems like this artistic vision of like, we're going to build this game. It's going to be this. It's going to have this story. It's going to have this. And then some jackass in a suit with a bunch of like numbers is like, yeah, but we also need to introduce these aspects because that's a buzzword right now. And it has to hit this and it has to have microtransactions. I have to have, you know, this live service game that's Season never passes. It's like all this kind of shit, right? And it's just like it feels you can we can tell, and I think even like the the most casual, unfocused gamer can tell when that kind of stuff is is in there, you know, and it's just tacked on. Um <laughs> And I, I just, I, I would love to see that just kind of go away. I know there has to be like profits and stuff made. I'm not saying like everything's just like hippy dippy Zen kind of like, Oh, just produce the art you want to produce and don't worry about budgets. I don't know. Phil Spencer kind of seems to operate a little bit on that with game pass. He's like, I don't know. We do different metrics for different games. I don't know what success means. We make it up as we go along. Like he actually, you see the leaked emails and he's just like, I lose more money than EA earns in a year. (laughs) Just like, how is that guy a CEO of that? Like, I just don't know. I love him. But like we, I think we need more of that kind of mentality uh, in in some things of, of just like, not everything has to be a live service. If there's a game that's five hours, but it's like a bang in five hours, like produce that, release it. Like I wonder, honestly, I'm sure there's someone that gets paid a lot more than I'll ever make that like sits there and is like, you know what? We have a total of whatever, like 20 million people who would buy this game for 80 bucks. Uh, that's the maximum amount ever that we could possibly sell this for that'd be the best game ever. Um, like what would that, if you cut the price in half, would that increase to 40 million or like, is it still 20 million? You know what I mean? Like what's, is there a price thing? Like I got, again, going back to that movie, like, like, you know, the ticket price or buying a movie, like the, the barrier to entry is lower. 
I think like there's there's a lot of that hesitation of like, do I buy this machine? Do I pay that much for a game? What do you mean you spend that much on one game? That's crazy. Like, I don't know. Like, is that can we do more like artistic $20 quicker games? Like, is it like I love the indie games for that kind of reason? Because like Jason was saying, you can play a bunch of them a lot quicker than a triple A. A lot of times they're more impactful, they're more meaningful. Um, you know, like maybe I, I don't know, maybe I just like indie games more. (laughs) Quick note on that. So I game share, uh, Todd, you know, Jeff, my co-host from Nerds Gone Platinum, we game Mm -hmm. share and we have a spreadsheet and we have a list of games that are not day one. We're interested. And basically we only get these at 50% or lower. So yeah, Mm -hmm. if that game came out, at 50% of the cost, maybe it would have been day one. But, like, that's kind of, like, so it it begs to, like, you think, like, oh, well, I'm not going to get both these games at the same time, but if this other game was half, maybe I would mm-hmm. get both games. I mean, obviously, you can't play both games at the same time. But if it was half, right. like, oh, I'd be more inclined. But I, I yeah. think it, it works in certain situations. Like, if you're on the fence, not everyone's always on the fence, like, do I get this yeah. now or do I wait? But I think yeah. it does. But like you said, there's there's obviously stuff we don't see behind the scenes that we only see like the the headline stuff. But we don't yeah, know. Like, but I do yeah. think there has been situations they've even made it clear like someone in the boardroom was like, "You need this," and it turned yeah. out it like. That's very There's clearly what happened with both Anthem and, and Avengers, well, like, like very recent Avengers examples. It's even worse because you can't buy it now. It's gone. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Avengers is gone. Yep. Yep. There, yeah. There's, I mean, there's certain games you can't buy anymore because of licensing. Um, um, a classic sure. example of the pricing uh, that you mentioned, NFL 2K. Yeah. They were battling Madden and uh, they priced their game at $20. Did very well. And Madden was so scared, they outright bought the license to NFL. And eliminated their competition. Yeah. So uh, sometimes playing dirty is is worse for the industry because it essentially made Madden not have to get good in regards to being better, doing other things mm-hmm. because they didn't have any competition. Um, I, I think, Mark, I totally, I, I totally uh, see your viewpoint of like what's a better viewpoint. I think a lot of studios would be better to be able to spread their resources across multiple projects rather than just one. Sorry. Like my microphone falling, uh, because if one fails catch. and that's their only one, they may mm-hmm. not get another chance. Um, and that's the thing. So, but if they had many little experiments and smaller uh, games that they could get in front of people, one might be the one that catches fire, and it might just take them off and so, get them a, a, a better and deal. And yeah, there's there's nothing saying that you can't have a twenty dollar game that has season passes or a DLC. It's when. It's like, hey, here's an $80 game with a DLC, with some season passes and all this kind of stuff. And you just kind of feel that like corporateness of like, all right, we have to hit this. So what are we going to do to hit this $80 game? Okay, cool. It has to be a hundred hour experience. Okay, cool. But we have like a five hour story at max. Spread it out, dude. Uh, Like, you know, like it just feels like that kind of like little check boxes going off sometimes. And it's, it's like... All right, man. Make make half of that game and release it for like half of the price, and double the amount of people will buy it, or triple the amount of people will buy it, or whatever. And you'll be making either the same or more money 
because it's not going to get absolutely shit on by people who are like, don't buy this game because it is a mess. Like, yeah, I just and, I feel like I'm we're sure. seeing that more and more and more happening. And I'm sure someone in that boardroom looks at all the awards. But mm-hmm. my personal take on it, I think the awards are dumb because how do you like? It's like the Oscars. My favorite mm-hmm. movie is not even nominated. Say, like, Remnant Two is my personal game of the year. It's not going to be nominated for. It's not going to go up against Tears and Starfield. But like. Mm-hmm. To me, like someone in a boardroom would look at that as like, oh, we didn't get nominated. We need to do better next year to get a nominate. It's like, but why? But you look at, like, Remnant sold over a million. I mean, uh, Remnant's a bad example. Gearbox did a phenomenal job. It's over a million units. But you get my point. Like, I think, like you said, someone in the boardroom looks at it just not as like, they just look right at like one number or one thing. Or, oh, this yeah. is hot. Now do this. And it's like, that doesn't apply to our game. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, you feel when it's tacked on, right? It's like, because it's a shooter, we can't be Hades. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, and by the yeah. time the game of the year comes out anyways, it's almost too late and to wait mm-hmm. for those acclaimed to actually then drive sales because you've wasted so long. So um, I, I think it, it's a nice thing to put in a box and it, it just feels like yeah. it's like, it's like credibility in a lot of ways that the game, like Xbox would love to have a game of the year because they rarely mm-hmm. have, that feels like that puts them at a, a prestige level. Um, but that's more of like a, I, I think an internal versus I think Nintendo could care less if they were winning game of the year because quite honestly, they don't care. Um, yeah, you know, they'll get Doug Bowser to show up and accept the award for the developer rather than the developer come up. So yeah. That's the way he operates. But um, I I think my solve is growing the group of people to expand the type of games they play. I want the next person that has been playing Animal Crossing to try Hades. I want people Mm. to do that, not just have one game. I only play Animal Crossing. It's the only thing I do. And because it's like the people that bought a Wii and only played Wii Sports. Um, I want to get those people and find something to get them. And I think we need an ambassador that speaks to the mainstream, not YouTube with a million channels with very edgy content. I want a a kind of more like a professional video game program. And I know who can make this because he already does. It's Victor Lucas electronic playground made a very entertaining, much sure, well-produced highlighted small and big games. Um, you know, talk to direct uh, directors of games, developers, illustrators, anyone, personalities. And it was a, a, a talk show. And I think, or like a, a show that you could find in the networks. I think that's how you, you, you build the audience, not having more YouTubers that are spread across. And they talk to like a hundred thousand people. I think you need to get somebody out there to tell people about more of the games that are on good morning America. And they talk about the big game. I need, yeah. we need something else to talk to people across the board in a way that's intelligent, speaks to all ages and says, yeah, you got that PlayStation five. Guess what else you can play on it that you may not have heard of because everything we're talking about is the niche audience. We're, we're in the echo chamber. We need to grow up beyond there. Obviously we've got kids. So obviously we can talk to them, but it's, it's your, it's your friend that you work. Who's not really a gamer, but he also likes sports. He likes cars and he's focused on a million different things. So what cuts through and tells him about other cool things beyond just the next Zelda and GTA. So I think that's what we need because if you grow the audience, 
you got more sales. The world's in a better place and you can grow the different types of games that are successful versus just the big ones we talk about here. So I think that's what we need to do. Grow the audience, get people off, off of just their, their standard free to play games on their mobile device, the, the big games that you hear about. And I think we need to, to grow it that way and also get people to understand that games have changed. A lot of people still view games in a very uh, condescending big bang theory nerds, um, why are you doing that for 30 hours? Why are you paying $80 for that game? And they need to know there's more to it. You know, there's art, mm-hmm. there's things like that. Cause people love the last of us movie or TV show. I wonder, I mean, and the game sales grew. So that's a good thing. I, I that's why I want a Zelda show. I, I want these, the media to drive people back to the games versus drive them just to the property on a screen. Right. I knew people who actually didn't realize it was a game. Yeah. Wow. And then it was yeah. like, Poof. but yeah, no, you're right. Like, <laughs> Jeff Keighley, everyone watches his summer games. But the four hours after his show, Future Games and all that stuff, mm-hmm. maybe he should be promoting more. Like, how many people watch that? Like, there's the Escapist, 100 newest indies. Like, but people, you get a smaller crowd because you don't get the promotion. Like, it's not the newest season of Call of Duty. So who cares? Yeah. I mean, I, right. and somebody's got to get. Oh, go ahead. Uh, do, do you think there's a. Um... It's going to come off bad no matter how I say it. Do you think there's a um, like a gamer developer piece of ego that has to drop for all of that to happen? Uh, as far as like a, I'm thinking like an easy mode, like a story mode of in in more games. Like there there oh, seems yeah, to be that like get good mentality for so many things. Whereas like I think there'd be a lot less pressure for people uh to to jump in if they knew there was like i just want to see where let's say the last of us like i want to see where that story came from i want to see is the game different than the 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 show but then they go in and it's like i don't know what all these buttons are doing i don't know i hate dying so many times can i just turn it on like walkthrough mode basically and i know like there's a technical part of games where like you want that's part of the fun of like interacting, but like challenge, right? The challenge, but like, you know, is there, is there a middle ground that we can see where, you know, the barrier for entry on a mobile game is so low of like, you know, it's not going to get frustrating too much. Right. Cuphead looks like like a very simple, fun game. I play that. I'm like, it's a death trap. I'm like, why does it have to be that difficult to be enjoyable? I like the world. I like that living in it. I like having making it less difficult doesn't make it a worse game because you can put it to difficulty again. Yeah, I struggle with that. I struggle with the if it's not challenging, it's not good anymore. I'm like, that's your opinion, man. But I bet there's 99% more people that would play that game would say, no, not for me. And you're limiting an audience and you're limiting sales. And once again, you're leading into that gamer mentality of, well, it's not for you then. It's not for you. And I'm like, well, that means that you're basically saying you want the gaming market. I knew them before they were cool. I only want to be this big because it's my thing and I don't want to share. I don't want to grow. I mean, obviously, if if the creator doesn't want to be that, that's one thing. But once again... We we are so full of ourselves and so over. It's like it's our thing, so we control it. That we're just limiting ourselves, and we're gonna mm-hmm. doom this this <laughs> with our with all the negativity. Like you talk about Jason, all that negativity, all these things they add up, and everybody has to look at themselves and like, am I part of the problem? And a lot of times, yes, we're all part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, I and that story mode, I definitely think could exist 
it doesn't have to exist everywhere because I know there's souls, and as someone who's played the soul, all the souls games and beaten them, that when you do it, the satisfaction of doing it. But it doesn't have to be those, like you said, The Last of Us. You don't have there's no enjoyment from playing that on the hardest difficulty compared to like a Souls game. So there's no mm-hmm. and doesn't Assassin's Creed didn't they do the guided tours? Yep. So I think more games can like nobody's arguing Mario's not difficult enough or it's too hard. <laughs> right. There's no like wasn't it I think it was a 3DS Mario if you died enough you got that power up. I think yeah. Yep. It was essentially easy mode. Yeah. I think it was 3D land and that power up and on the uh, world map and you can get it. I think, but I'd also be curious if someone could get the stats on who's avoiding games based on they heard is too hard. Yeah. Before that, like that all would be implemented. Like I'm curious if that's really like, I I like it, but if maybe that's not the necessary fix right away. Because I think there's a, but it'd be curious, but we'll never know. No, never. I think we all just get a well. well yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just want to be. I just want to feel good about what I play, <laughs> even if I'm in the, the the baby mode. I'm good with that. Oh well. We this is a great discussion, uh, and Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Thank Tell people where they can uh, find you, man. So uh, my website's deargamers.net, and just to cap off what we were said. The the name of the site comes from we were joking on Story Route Zero, basically, dear gamers, it's not all about you, because whenever people would get so upset about like the state of play, this was the worst thing ever. There was not I didn't see this. It's like, but someone saw something they like. So right. I think to cap off our conversation, it's not all about you. Think about the other. But yeah, deargamers.net, uh, dear underscore gamers underscore is our Twitter. Um, but the website's probably easier with all our links. Um, it's just two of us. We do it for fun. Uh, I'm Gimpy J on pretty much every Nintendo, Steam, PlayStation, Xbox, everywhere. Um, but yeah, no, pleasure to be on the show. It was great discussion. Yeah, it's been a long time. Awesome. Mark, where, people, yes. where can people find you? You can find me pretty much everywhere at the underscore Canardian, uh, mostly Instagram threads and our Discord's probably the best place to find me these days. Uh, and you can find me on Xbox and Switch as just Canardian. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, I'm still on Twitter. So is Secret Friends You. Uh, that's where you can find us there. But really, really getting more out on threads now that we can manage multiple accounts. There's a website for threads now, which blew me away, which is still no direct messaging yet. That's the last yeah, part, and I think it will be a good, but we're actually Secret Friends Unite on Thread, which makes me so happy. So great. I'm also there at, uh, I believe, at Tioxtra there as well. Um, so join us there at Discord, like Mark mentioned. But um, also, uh, you can find me uh, when I'm gaming. Uh, I'm not great at gaming with other people, which is sad because that's the name of our, 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 our podcast. But um, uh, Spartion98 on Xbox and Switch and Spartion1998 on PSN because I couldn't have just 98. Dang you, PlayStation. Oh, well. Well, that is it for the show. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Mark. And remember, folks, it's always better to game together. 
This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.